Welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. Thanks for making a commitment to learning and continuing to listen to us. Uh, we hope everybody is doing well. We are your hosts, though, as always. I am Jordan Porter, joined by the incontestable, iconic, and imaginative Yvonne Brandenburg. Oh, wow. I, know. <laughs> I need to start doing these so I can give you like cool compliments. Like, this is, this is not fair. Dude, I had some pretty, I had a pretty solid compliment this week. Like I've, I'm good. I'm set for the week. Yeah. So, oh my gosh. I love it. Ba- yeah. Bailey was so, she's such a good kid. Yeah. Like really as is. much as they make me good want job, to pull out my hair. I know. <laughs> I feel, I feel good about it. I posted it on Facebook. So of course, like, if you don't know what I'm talking about, my daughter wrote me a card this week. Um, Cause she had a gymnastics meet on Saturday, so Friday, I spent all day trying to like, I don't know if you guys know me very well just through the podcast, but I tend to get a little like in my head and like need to be a perfectionist <laughs> <What>? and <No>. yeah, <laughs> and like get very frustrated when I don't do things right. And my daughter, of course, is the exact same way, oh. the exact same way to a T. And so I was trying, I spent all day Friday just trying to find ways to get her to relax and prepare for the meet on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And so we made like essential oil stuff to help her calm down. I made her take a bath and like, I made her listen to music. And at the end of the night, she was like, so appreciative, like for a nine-year-old to be like, I can't believe you did all this for me today. Like, thanks so Aww. much. And like, and she's like, I want to get you something. I was like, dude, you don't have to give me anything. I did this like strictly for you to get you to relax and stay out of your head and like, just have fun, just go out and have fun. And then of course, so she made me a card and she's like, mm. I still want to do something for you. And it was just, it was, too it was nice. It was nice to I be love, appreciated. I love like little handmade cards from kids. I think they're yeah. the cutest. Cause they're always like drawing and it's like so cute. She always, <laughs> every time she makes me a card, which is like once or twice a year, she always draws me like an otter. Cause that's my favorite animal. Oh, and so that was what why. was on the other page. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's a really random like animal, but okay. <laughs> yeah. No, like she, she always will draw me an otter. Aww. So, like, yeah. It was so. so cute. I was like, oh. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, we, I guess we did technically recently have an answer to last week's question of the week. Um, (laughs) (laughs) the secondary answer to the question. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Um, exactly. So we, and it's funny because, uh, so Liz posted, um, about the secondary question, which was, you know, what toys you guys played with growing up because we did forget to post the first question. So it just no, it like I had it, it. We just hadn't posted it on Facebook. Well, I had it set, but for some reason it didn't like auto post. And then oh. when I went to go try to do it, <laughs> it wouldn't let me. It it was being very uh, frustrating. So glitchy. I was like, all right, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah. So Liz commented. Um, she she kind of made fun of Jordan a little bit that she didn't know who mm-hmm. Teddy Ruxpin was. So I know. Um, I was like, well, Jordan didn't grow up in the eighties. So she had no, she would, I don't, 
unless you had like older siblings, you wouldn't know what that is. No, no. I find it funny though. So she said basically the same thing my parents said. So I made my parents listen to the end of that episode and my parents were like, (laughs) how did you not know what Teddy Ruxpin was? I was like, that's your job. You were supposed (laughs) to teach me who Teddy Ruxpin was. I was like, I grew up in the nineties. Yeah. (laughs) And then my mom's going on and on and on about how she's like, you're an eighties baby. I was like, I was born in 89 woman. I was like, that does not make me an eighties baby. Well, and and we kind of talked about this. Like I was born in 78. And so, I mean, technically, yes, I'm a seventies baby, but I don't remember the seventies. So I'm very much an eighties child. Like I remember all the stuff from the eighties. Well, not all, most of the stuff from the eighties. Like, yeah, exactly. So, so yeah. But yeah, my parents got on me about that too. And I was like, oh, that was your guys's fail right there. Not mine. <laughs> yeah. Cause are you the oldest of your siblings? No, my brother's older, but only by like a year and a half. Oh so. yeah. So he's a nineties baby too. I'm sure. Exactly. Like it's him probably and I like both. Me, yeah. yeah. We both like played Pokemon cards. To, like we did everything together. So like the pogs <laughs> were him and I Pokemon cards were him and I, and like Man, when TLC came out, he was the first one to get that. (laughs) Like, was that a tape? I think it was a tape. I don't remember. I don't know, but I do remember getting my first CD. Like, I remember that was like a big deal. Yeah, my first CD was Britney Spears. (laughs) My first (laughs) CD was The Bangles' Greatest Hits. Um, Mm. So it had Walk Like an Egyptian on it. Yeah, yeah, I was very excited about that. Wow, we're doing oh. it again. I know we are <laughs> ourselves. Anyways, <laughs> we do talk about it a little bit at the end of last week's episode. So, um, <laughs> I had a lot of fun like re-listening to that when I was editing it. I was just laughing. I was like, "What is?" <laughs> I know it was, we. <laughs> I listened to last week's episode, and I'm like, "Wow, we were all over the place." Um. Yep. Yep. So. <laughs> Hopefully we'll do a little better this week. Just saying. It's not starting off strong. No, I'm like, oh, but no, it is because we're talking about the question, the secondary question of the week last week. So I um, appreciate that Liz answered that. And yeah. I would like to hear from people. And I, I love that she put a picture of Teddy Ruxman. I, I know like, she found it. That was amazing. Someone commented that it was like creepy. I guess it was it like motion wa- sensor. It, it was motion sensor. And I remember I didn't have one, but my friends did. And we were a little terrified of him. Like he That's was fair. cool, but also super terrifying. Like, yeah. Oh. Well, someone else commented about how Furbies talk to each other. Like they'll talk to like another Furby. Yeah. Like, that was yeah. also super creepy. I thought it was amazing. <laughs> I guess it was like that start of like, you know, when robots are about to take over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> Let's move on with the episode. So this <laughs> week, we will be talking about the exocrine pancreas. We've already discussed endocrine pancreatic uh, functions already. So this week, we're going to be talking about exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, or EPI for short. Um, this episode is not yet race approved. We're working on it. We just created the next list of things that we got to get approved. So it, it's in the works. And at some point it will be race approved for one CE credit hour um, through the internal medicine for Vetex membership site under the podcast course, but non-members obviously doesn't matter for you because you can still use it as self-study. Yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll give you guys an update as soon as the the next batch of episodes are approved so if you're listening to these live 
so episode, so this is episode 68. So 68 on, um, at the moment is not approved. Um, we'll let you guys know once it's pending approval. And then obviously once it's actually approved. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's we'll, what we'll early February of 2021. So hopefully yeah. we'll have those by like mid-March. Yeah. yeah. If it takes that long. Yeah, I think it says 68 weeks, but um, last time it wasn't as long. So I yeah. think it just depends on how busy they are for approving things. And, you know, so. yeah. So All right. anyway, this week we're going to be talking about the um, exocrine pancreatic insufficiency. So like I said, EPI, just so I don't have to keep saying that over and over and over again. <laughs> I think we'll probably say EPI from here on out. <laughs> yeah. It is um, a condition where there's maldigestion, but it involves not the endocrine pancreas, only the exocrine, hence the name. Um, so if you want to refer back to a couple episodes, just for some basics, there's three episodes that we talk a little bit about just like the function of everything. So we have episode four, which is diarrhea, large bowel or small bowel, the scoop on understanding number two, episode six, which is our pancreatitis ep- uh, episode where we do talk about the exocrine function of the pancreas. Um, and I think we, we mention endocrine just in passing, but we don't, we definitely didn't go in depth on that one. No. Um, and then episode 13 is working up the chronic GI patient. If you want to hear about the endocrine function of the pancreas, let's go back to what the diabetes episodes, that's where we'll talk about the endocrine function. So Yep. Kind of leading into that. So our pancreas, of course, has two separate functions within the body. Um, like we were already kind of discussing the endocrine function and the exocrine function. So if you go back to our diabetes episode, you'll know that the endocrine function of the pancreas is to secrete hormones like uh, glucagon and insulin, and those regulate blood glucose um, metabolism. The exocrine pancreas, which we're going to be talking today, really aids in just GI digestion. Now, I'm not going to get into the super nitty gritty because I don't, it's a lot. (laughs) It (laughs) is a lot. overwhelming. And I think um, just before we go a little bit further, just remember endocrine, endo is in, and then exo is out. So endocrine refers to hormones that are being released into the bloodstream. So it goes within the body. Mm-hmm. Exocrine is exiting the body and that's usually through ducts. And so for the pancreas, so the pancreatic duct, this is where those um, uh, enzymes are secreted through the duct. So the ex- exocrine enzymes are being secreted out of the pancreas into the intestines. And remember, inside the intestines is technically outside of the body because that's weird but technically it's not within your body it's outside of your body see i just think of it as like the pancreas aids in digestion and digestion comes out of the body (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it well and that's the thing that because like your epithelial layer right your skin Mm -hmm. That is technically inside the intestines is an epithelial layer as well. So that helps prevent bacteria from getting into your body, but we have to have that bacteria in our guts in order to help facilitate with digestion and everything. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's another way to remember it, right? If we had all that bacteria within our body, we would die. (laughs) So it's outside of the body. Remember that outside of the body. I know. 
bodies. It's so technical. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we have the exocrine and the endocrine function. We know amylase lipase. So amylase, when the pancreas makes amylase and secretes it through the ducts, right? So exocrine, that helps when there's carbohydrates that we've eaten, it helps break it down. So it helps with carbohydrate digestion. Um, and then if you remember from, I think I learned this in nutrition, um, when a carbohydrate is broken down, that's where we get our um, disaccharides and our trisaccharides, which is good. We, we want those things. And then um, lipase, right? Anything with an ACE, A-S-E at the end, ACE means to break down. So lipase helps break down cholesterol, which is fats, um, and also phospholipase, again, another fat. So it really is, you know, when we talk pancreatic lipase, that is fats. And then you have uh, trypsin or trypsin-like, you know, when we do the trypsin-like immunoreactivity, um, that trypsin helps form another compound called colipase. <laughs> so, you know, the pancreas does help break down food so the body can absorb it um, mm -hmm. properly. So if, if, if that's not working, then the body can't absorb the nutrients so mm -hmm. that's, that's like the big thing with, um, amylase and lipase and exocrine yeah. function of the pancreas. Yeah. And then more exocrine, like pancreatic secretions, they just contain more digestive enzymes as well as sodium bicarbonate. Um, and then they help release, there's like a series of events that happens that I'm not going to name each step, but <laughs> it, they eventually help release more digestive enzymes. Um, and what this helps the body do is it helps release large quantities of bicarbonate and water. So that's the normal function is to help release all this stuff. And then digestive enzymes and those digestive enzymes are secreted by those pancreatic asinar cells. And probably that's probably one of those words that like multiple people say <laughs> potato, like differently. Potato. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's asinar. Is it akinar? I in my brain really want to say akinar because I'm a dork and I think of Admiral Akbar. So I'm yeah. gonna say akinar because that's how I'll remember it. Yeah. And if you know what I mean, you and I can be friends. <laughs> so you and i are not friends oh my god you don't know who admiral akbar is either oh no that's a star wars thing because my <sighs> boss says that frequently sorry it's a trap yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i do know that way as well okay thank god my bad i was like 80s and 90s children can't get along <laughs> it's you know and it's interesting when when we're talking about the digestion you were talking about uh, secreting large amounts of bicarbonate and water like if you remember I think this was when I was taking chemistry classes, um, hydrolysis, right. To break things down, you need water. And so the, the small intestines, which is where the pancreatic enzymes come out, that's where everything's super fluidy and, um, we want to break things down and mush them. So we have to have that water and the bicarb to help like just make poop soup, <laughs> Yum. Right. And then later down in the intestine. So the, the, usually the colon, that's where all that water gets reabsorbed that mm -hmm. the, the enzymes have like pulled from the body 
And then the colon says, nope, we need to keep that water. Otherwise we'd get dehydrated. And that's where the poop soup becomes poop. Yay. I'm sure there's a <laughs> episode for that too. Oh, I'm sure there is. Uh, well, we're going to do uh, GI basics. I think we're planning that. Yes, next I can't week. wait. Sorry, we never did a GI <laughs> basics episode. And we realized that as we were, you know, planning out stuff and we're like, we need a GI basics. So we will be doing a GI basics next week. So next week, listen to episode 69 for GI basics. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought it was cool because you were talking about how the epithelial cells play a part and why that makes it kind of like the outside of the body. So mm-hmm. our pancreas secretes those digestive enzymes while the epithelial cells of the pancreatic ducts secrete bicarbonate. Mm-hmm. And then what bicarbonate sodium bicarbonate does is once in the duodenum, it helps neutralize gastric secretions. So that's where we want it. Oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. We, want we it. don't want the gastric juices because the gastric juices in the stomach is helping to break everything down. Yeah. Which naturally passes into the duodenum. Right. But then the we food. don't want all that super acidity within the duodenum. <laughs> keep going. Could you, oh. Oh, could you imagine like, it's like heartburn, but in your intestines. Mm. I'm sure some dogs can, those dogs who have like that severe ulceration in the duodenum and like, or, you know, dogs with EPI, (laughs) like that's an interesting thing. I don't, huh. Right. I wonder if that also happens where like we're going to get to get burning poop. Probably. This sounds horrible. I don't like it. (laughs) So everything that we've previously talked about happens in normal. We keep saying dogs, but it actually can affect dogs and cats, but, um, and people, I'm sure people people. as well. Oh, for sure. Actually. Yeah. There were some studies that I just inadvertently looked up about people. Um, I was going to say it's, we're all mammals. Yeah. So in our patients with EPI, what happens is obviously it's going to be damage done to some of those pancreatic, um, cells. And what happens is it leads to inadequate production of those digestive enzymes that we talked about, which in turn then leads to maldigestion and malabsorption. And then, um, with which, which just, kind of ends up being like the, almost like this vicious cycle, right? If oh, you don't sure. have enough of the nutrients in your system, then you can't pick up those nutrients. And it's just like, it really is, it gets worse, which is why For we sure. want to help them. <laughs> For sure. Because like, so what happens is when you have just that chronic, like undigested food within the small bowel, it Mm. usually results in like bacterial overgrowth, which then further compromises the intestinal tract and the intestinal function. It's also usually the bad bacteria, right? It's not the good bacteria. So then your GI flora is also super upset because the pH within the guts are wrong. So it's the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah. So interesting fact though, that I learned about the pancreas is that it just has like a high reserve capacity. So what happens is it's kind of like, you know, when you don't start showing signs of kidney disease until loss of 75% of function. Yeah. 
well, the pancreas is better at hiding it. (laughs) And so (laughs) signs of like maldigestion or disease don't typically occur until 90% of the exocrine pancreatic function is lost. That's a lot. 90%, right? So the pancreas is like, I'm chugging away at 75%. No big deal. (laughs) And then at 90%, it's like, I I can't handle it anymore. It's like, I can't, I'm done. (laughs) I get do you do you that, know that's how I feel mentally some days <laughs> right do you do you know in your reading does do because it's I'm guessing this is all the astinar cells or acnar cells yeah so this is all like just the pancreatic cells do they can they regenerate or is it once they're damaged so I did read really... about this I actually put it at the end. It doesn't really regenerate. So it is one of those things where you can stop it. And because scar tissue and all that stuff too. So, yeah. And like, once you start treating this though, because the pancreas is so capable of functioning with little, with such little function, a lot of these dogs actually do tend to do well because Mm. the pancreas is able to function almost normally with just 10%. Mm. Interesting. Okay. So if you can just help maintain that last 10%, then usually these dogs do pretty well. Are we going to talk about how to do that? Yes. Oh, thank God. Cause I was like, how do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to get there. I, promise. Right, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> so EPI is, um, it's pretty common. It is the second most common exocrine pancreatic disorder in both dogs and cats. However, it's obviously less common than just pancreatitis, hmm. which is the most common exocrine pancreatic disorder. Oh yeah. Pancreas. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's got the itis. <laughs> so kind of like we already talked about those asinar cells are a common cause for EPI. So pancreatic asinar atrophy. So those cells are just dying and and going away, Mm. um, is the most common cause of EPI and the most common breeds tend to be German shepherds, rough collies, and then Eurasians. I'm not sure if I said that right, but I did look up this dog because I was like, what is that? And weirdly enough, it looks like a chow, but it looks like a chow mixed with a German shepherd. Like it's fluffy, like a chow and looks like a chow, but has the coloring of a German shepherd. It's really That's interesting. Such a great combo of personalities. <laughs> I don't know if their personalities match. <laughs> oh, I, mm, I've never heard of them, which is crazy. Cause I've, I've never seen a lot of, of crazy breeds before, but huh? Yeah. So yeah. another cause though of EPI can just be chronic pancreatitis. Um, it is the most common cause in other dog breeds and, and cats. Um, just because those three breeds specifically are just prone to that pancreatic acinar atrophy or PAA. Um, other, other breeds and our most common, like chronic pancreatitis, like schnauzers and stuff like that, mm. um, are, are susceptible to developing EPI. And then a less common cause of EPI, um, would be something like a pancreatic mass an extra pancreatic mass. So on the outside of the pancreas that can lead to obstruction of those pancreatic ducts. Cause again, those secretions that want to come out can't and it's damaging those cells yeah 
that's always the worst when because like chronic pancreatitis it kind of does the same thing right it yeah all that inflammation yeah all that inflammation makes the pancreatic ducts smaller and so Mm -hmm. the the enzymes can't release the way that they should so then they back up into the pancreas and then cause basically digestion of the pancreas which is all sorts of bad yeah Uh Yeah, because those digestive enzymes it's not things like just sodium bicarbonate yeah um, which i imagine would also be a little corrosive but if it neutralizes gastric secretions then it can't be well, but if, if it doesn't neutralize, then it's just super alkaline, you know what yeah. I mean? And alkal and super alkaline things can also be, um, toxic and damaging. So it's, it's again, homeostasis. We like things yeah. like neutral pHs. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Not that the pancreatic mass isn't bad enough, but yeah, if it's blocking right? all those things from doing the normal, yeah. like. Well, and if you've ever seen a pancreas when it's like that bad, that it's basically, um, so you get, uh, pancreatic saponification, which is a crazy word. Um, but basically what happens is all those enzymes get activated within the pancreas and liquefies the pancreas. Necrotizing pancreatitis. Yes, exactly. So it's, it, it's just bad. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah, so that's what happens. Like if the ducts get plugged, then stuff Oof. gets activated where it's not supposed to, which is all bad. Yuck. Mm-hmm. Yuck. So common symptoms though for this is surprisingly polyphagia. Mm-hmm. Um because the body obviously wants to be able to digest things and it, it well, it's, it's hungry. It's starting. Yeah, it's stimulating <laughs> digestive enzymes. Um and then weight loss, and then of course, loose stool, which is going to be probably the main thing that you see. Um, yeah. And it, and I have always talked about like the stool itself is it's usually very stinky because the food hasn't been digested. So you get this, like, it's like rotten food smell almost. And then it tends to be kind of that yellow color or yeah, because I imagine that's the gastric secretions. Yeah. And it's just not digesting the way that it should. So it's a weird color. It's a weird smell. um, And it's kind of classic for EPI. If you see really light colored stool and stinky stool and like greasy stool like this is something to definitely test for um especially if the animal's super hungry but they're still losing weight and like they're not hyperthyroid you know like it's just yeah definitely look for it yeah yeah because also too i mean like so like uh yvonne was saying it it leads to that diarrhea but the lack of nutrients also causes that weight loss which also leads to vitamin deficiencies we Mm -hmm. talked excessively about just vitamin b deficient deficiencies Mm -hmm. so we're going to test for that as well um but animals with chronic pancreatitis that lead to epi um they can also develop concurrent diabetes mellitus too. So that's why I originally brought up our diabetes episode because we talk a lot about the endocrine function, but anytime that you have those pan- like destruction of pancreatic tissues, it's not just going to limit itself to the exocrine function or the exocrine <laughs> right? pancreas. It's going to be like, I let the Langer hands and the acnar cells are like right next to each other. So if one gets <laughs> damaged, the other one's probably getting damaged too. 
Yeah. Yeah. There's not some weird border where it's like, do not cross. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's like, this is the no fly zone. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Wouldn't that be something though? Like if a body could just like block it off like that. Yeah. Hmm. Like if it was able to. I guess that's where the immune system comes in. Like if it's an immune mediated disease, it'll probably just attack one versus the other. Did did you see, was there any, um, like immune mediated just in those three breeds and that's the, the the PAA thing that you were talking about. Yeah. That's just where they are just prone to the atrophy and they think that the atrophy is those cells and they think the atrophy is called caused by possibly immune attack. It didn't say that specifically, but I imagine so just because of it's genetically linked to those dogs. Hmm, Interesting. It's, it's crazy because the more that we kind of learn about some of these diseases, the more like autoimmune stuff pops up and they're like, Oh, for sure. Be autoimmune. And you're like, everything's autoimmune. (laughs) Well, yeah, I think everything that doesn't have an, like a true explanation. Cause they're like, yeah, these three breeds are very susceptible to it, but you're like, but why specifically? Like, is there, but it's yeah, you have to like assume that it is like a mutation or, yeah, you know, something that, like that. That's a little yeah. different than immune mediated though. You know, ah, yeah. interesting. <laughs> it's, it's, you start like learning about stuff and then you start questioning things. It's all bad. <laughs> it's science. <laughs> it <is> science. <laughs> that's how science works. It's true. Who knew? <laughs> so our differential diagnosis I put any GI disease. (laughs) When you have GI issues, you got to rule out all your GI diseases. I did make a note for like specifically like check for parasites. Oh, because the one thing I forgot to mention too, which I'm 100% sure I wrote it in here somewhere. I just must have skipped over it, but it affects medium age dogs and cats, medium to older. But like when you see a medium age dog, who's like four or five come in for excessive eating and diarrhea like crazy. Like I'm going to check the patient for parasites <laughs> yeah, or foreign body or just gastritis. Um, yeah. Well, and I but, think too, like this, it's, it's any of that when, you know, like the ACBIM consensus statement on like IBD, first thing mm-hmm. you do is deworm them just to make yep, sure exactly. that's not the problem. So I, I think, I think we kind of forget that with our older patients that it's not yeah. just puppies and kittens that get parasites, but older patients as well. And so I think it's smart to, you know, if you do start seeing GI signs to, you know, deworm just to be on the safe side, because I, if, I don't know about you, but when I was in tech school, like they definitely kind of pounded it into my head that you don't say a patient is negative for parasites. When you look at a fecal float, you say no No over parasites seen at this time, right? Because they don't always shed when they're, when you get a poop sample, like it could be shedding at a different time. I remember being in GP and like constantly explaining that to clients. They're like, well, it said negative. And then I saw worms in his poop. And I was like, one, tapeworms aren't always like very much aren't always seen. Yeah. (laughs) And then two, like, it depends on the stool sample you give me. It depends on how old that stool sample was. It depends on the sample that the lab had taken and looked at. Like it, you know, depends on if that tapeworm pooped out some eggs. Yeah. 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 It, it's very anyway um i hate parasites so, because of this because they're hard well to and 
when we do scopes too, we're always like, if you see uh, parasites on scopes, then you know that you did something wrong. Well, mind you, I know that I posted that one video of that parasite during a scope, but not our client, not our patient. We were, that dog had a known mass like in the mm, rectum. Yeah. And we were scoping to look for more. So um, that was not as simple. Like the dog had diarrhea. We need to scope yeah. and find out why that was. a. <laughs> I would expect to find them like with foreign bodies and stuff like that. Not like, hopefully you're not seeing parasites during a routine IBD biopsy scope. Yeah. But right. I can, but I can see them like on a foreign body scope that you're not expecting to scope right then and there, you know, so, or mass yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course on the differential list is cancer because cancer can do anything. IBD toxins because toxins mm. can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I put diabetes on here because of course some of these patients very well could have destruction to those endocrine functions um, and be showing signs of diabetes. I put Addison's disease on there because Addison's also presents GI like. Mm-hmm. So, um, especially in our younger patients. Yeah. Well, I have a ton of older patients that all of a sudden start having GI stuff and it ends up being Addison's, which is crazy to me. Yeah. I mean, How I think the majority of our, yeah. I know like without having a crisis, but it's usually those like dogs who are never away from their owners and like never get bored. Like I bet you, well, but it's also, um, you know, like it's, it's, it's endocrine function, but it, you know, if you've got damage to it, as it gets older, sometimes the endocrine just like craps out and it's like, nope, I'm not doing it anymore. So, you know. Yeah. 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 But I imagine though, too, like, I bet you any of my dogs could probably be Addisonian and I'm not sure I would know because they're so chill like anyway, like, I don't know what would trigger them to have an Addisonian crisis kind of thing is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Huh. So interesting. Cause they don't, I don't board them. Uh, they come to the vet with me occasionally, but that's like normal for them. That's, well, but you know, stress, it's like, we're so getting off topic on the Addison's, but it's, <laughs> but stress could be, um, you know, they're hungry. Like it doesn't have to be like emotional stress. It's just body yeah. stress. So it could be a change in temperature. It could be, they got super excited about something and, and it's like whatever. Yeah. I wonder how many people yeah. though, like have an Addisonian and the dog's been Addisonian forever. And they're like, yeah, I mean, occasional off and on diarrhea. Uh-huh. and like decreased appetite but I just assumed that maybe they ate something or they got into something mm-hmm. in reality it was like a change in weather or like a thunderstorm or, like... <laughs> right. or they saw the mailman that day and they normally don't yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah anyway okay back on topic so diagnostics um there's one main diagnostic that we talk about and I'm just going to briefly touch on our basic like biochemistry cbc <sighs> t4 because we're usually polyphagic um Abdominal ultrasound won't always show you specifically, like it could show you uh, diarrhea within the colon, which is great. Um, You can get measurements of the thickness of the bowels, just rule out other diseases. And of course you may or may not see a pancreatic mass, Mm -hmm. Um, but unless it's like a necrotizing pancreatitis or mass um, or pancreatitis in general, like you're not going to see the, yeah. <laughs> uh, EPI is not a diagnosis of ultrasound or x-rays or anything like that. Like we, we could see, you know, 
gastroenteritis, but that's not going to tell us like, why do we have enteritis? Um, so this is, yeah, we're, we're looking for, I love it. It's so easy to do. Our it's trypsin, so easy. Our trips and like immunoreactivity, our TLI, like that is going to be how you diagnose this. <laughs> yep. Yep. And what you're looking for is a low concentration in dogs or cats, um, to diagnose, um, EPI because what's happening is it's basically telling you that the pancreas is not able to produce enough of this. Um, and because digestion, um, of like a macronutrient, which if we should do it like a nutrition basics episode one day. Oh yeah, we could do that. Um, but that can usually be accomplished by like more than one enzyme, but a lack of exocrine pancreatic secretions doesn't always lead to like clinical signs. Mm -hmm. Um, so because one of the breeds on the list was German shepherds, a lot of those German shepherds can actually be subclinical because again, we're looking for for like greater than 90% of malfunction of the pancreas there. Um, but a, a German shepherd is tested for this TLI concentration and they are then diagnosed with EPI, even though they're subclinical. Yeah. Um, we've had a couple of them that are sneaky. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could definitely see that. Um, because it's one of those things where like some owners are like just on top of it, like within the first couple of mm-hmm. weeks of the dog eating more, they're like, we need to do something. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, and we've had a couple where, um, we just noticed like one or two little things off, but they're not like, it doesn't look classic for EPI. And so we just send off like the full pan, the full GI panel. Yeah. So cabalamine folate, um, TLI, PLI, because mm-hmm you never know if you're going to catch one of these other things somewhere. And, and a lot of times, you know, we wonder, okay, well, why is the B12 low? Like why is cobalamin low? And so we've had a couple of them where like, Oh, they have EPI. (laughs) So they're not able to absorb nutrients the way that they should be. So, you know, we, the price difference between just doing like cobalamin folate versus cobalamin folate, PLI, TLI, it's so small at our clinic. Yeah, I think it's like, I think it's like a $10 difference. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's a little bit more for us, but, but it's still like it, we just send out the full thing because it's just, it's just such a good panel. And that panel can be obtained at TAMU. TAMU is Texas A&M. Yeah. (laughs) The the GI lab at at Texas A&M, which I have one of their off topic. I have one of their coffee mugs and every time I'm like drinking out of it, I'm like, gut buster because <laughs> it's coffee. <laughs> nice. Um, and then there is another test that you can run. It's a, it's like a fecal assay that can measure, um, elastase. And elastase. I read about it, but mm. we'll, um, but unfortunately, like it's not very specific for EPI, which is why it doesn't get run a lot. Mm. Um, so some healthy dogs or some dogs with just chronic, like small intestinal disease. So like our IBD dogs, they can have like severely decreased fecal elastase concentration. So the test isn't very reliable, especially because you can get that decrease in healthy, like normal dogs. (laughs) Interesting. So this is, (laughs) 
this is really old school and um yeah i've never even heard of this i well and i used to i remember hearing about it when i was in like a baby tech and it's really funny because i never understood why in the world you would even do this so you used to take x-ray film um and i think it was i think it was undeveloped x-ray film so you would just take it out of the box and you would like put it on the table and then you would actually put some poop on it so a fecal sample you would put it on there and then if the like the the layer on the x-ray film um so you put it on there and if the x-ray film kind of looks digested that gelatin coat then that was considered good (laughs) um it was just like it was this bizarre thing um but i remember learning about it when i was a baby tech and and i never did it but um if you apparently if you don't have enough of the tli concentration in the poop it can't digest that layer on the x-ray mm. film <laughs> but obviously most of us no longer have x-ray films like most of us have gone to digital so i'm pretty sure that's part of the reason why nobody really talks about it anymore but um, well, that now like tli is so easy it's to run easy. It's just yeah <laughs> i was gonna say and the tli concentration like you get a specific number versus the x-ray film <laughs> yeah you have to like was just I, like a yes or a no like uh, well that's not like, super reliable yeah yeah that's yeah that's that's interesting and then so along the other lines of diagnostics yvonne already kind of said we should be checking cobalamin levels as well just because like we already talked about previously like we can have some maldigestion there so checking those levels would be good and then so that leads us to treatment so kind of leading into treatment since Yvonne was so enthusiastic to getting here. <laughs> <laughs> well, cause this is the fun part. <laughs> this is the fun part. They do so well. Well, that, and it's so, it's so simple. Usually. Yeah. Most but, of the times. Um, but a lot of times it's very simple. So it's just supplementation with digestive enzymes, as well as usually cobalamin. You don't always need mm. cobalamin, but as we've learned in the past, cobalamin can't hurt if you just give it. <laughs> Um, so our pancreatic enzymes typically comes in a powder and the powder tends to definitely be more effective than the tablets or the capsules. Um, and usually, usually once clinical signs have completely resolved, so they've gained their weight back, they're eating normally, there is no diarrhea, there's no soft stool. It is normal stool. So completely resolved the dose can, of the pancreatic, um, enzyme powder can usually be slowly decreased to the lowest effective dose. So of course, if you decrease it and diarrhea comes right back, you need to go back Mm, up again. Yeah. Um, However, it also, I read that it should be, you should be aware though, that usually that lowest effective dose can actually vary between like the batches of the enzyme powder that you get, which makes sense because it's like, (laughs) (laughs) it's one of those things why mess with a good thing like it's those clients who are like we're all better can i stop it and i'm like no why mess with a good thing? Like, it's just <laughs> supplement <laughs> however i am going to talk about why we would maybe decrease the powder amount um but yeah that is annoying that it can vary between batches just because like which makes sense because you got to imagine like the stuff that they're putting in there it's like 
how they say you can't split a scored tablet because you don't know like what oh. side of this or like yeah. a non-scored tablet because you don't really know where the medicine is within it yeah like I, I get that um this grossed me out but for whoever would like whatever clients would like Ugh. to get fresh pancreas um that can be a viable alternative to the powder and I want to say I think Matt actually asked me about this once he was asking me um we had a conversation about if you could use like deer pancreas or something to treat a dog with EPI and I was like I don't I don't know like what, I guess what pancreas is, is pancreas of pancreas one and a half pancreas per kids. I don't know. Like, I, <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> oh, that's so sad. You're like, I need one pancreas a day. Yeah, that's <laughs> but a I'm lot gonna of try to wean down to die. half a pancreas. <laughs> well, you gotta imagine what's in the powder, right? I'm I'm sure it's I'm sure it's in there. It's just like it's just from butcher shops. You... Plus, like, why waste the pancreas? I guess. Like, yeah, no, I totally butchered. I totally get it, but it's like I don't. Dude, if a client asked us this, I don't even know how to tell them the dose of a pancreas. Yeah, I don't. I'm sure it could be looked up somewhere, but luckily the dosing is the doctor's job. Um, <laughs> you go look that up on Vin. We're going to stay over here. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, but I did learn that the pancreas, uh, raw pancreas can be frozen for several months and not lose any of that, that enzymatic activity properly frozen i imagine right i'm sorry for any vegetarians or vegans that listen like it's just I treatment mean, i guess yeah. i'm sorry but dogs are not meant to be vegetarian neither are cats cats can't be vegetarian so yeah there's that yeah so low-fat diets recommended as well we'll move away from the raw pancreas <laughs> so yeah. and the low-fat the reason for that is because pancreatic enzymes are needed to break down fats. Yep. So you don't want a high fat diet, which requires more enzymes. Be yep. nice to the pancreas. Yeah. <laughs> um, sometimes in these severe cases though, where these stubborn patients just do not want to resolve their clinical signs with just supplements, um, then usually addition of like some antibiotic therapy, usually like tylosin is warranted because um, tylosin can definitely be safer long-term than something like yeah. metronidazole. Which makes um, sense. And kind of the reason for that, we kind of touched on it earlier is if the food's not being broken down completely, you're going to have overgrowth of that bacteria. So mm -hmm. despite it being better, right? It could be that we just have bad GI flora that we need to deal with. And so Tylosin, I'm guessing probably a good probiotic can help as well to kind of yeah. try to get your GI biome back into. Yeah. I was thinking about that, which like, this has come up several times where like we, you and I will discuss like probiotics, but it's really just not in a lot of like literature and stuff, but I don't no, know if it's because things were- I like there's so many better probiotics out now than there were five years ago. Like yeah. it's just one of those things where I think it's just one of those growing things that it's not in a lot of the literature. It's it definitely, about, like, I feel like it's definitely like a trickle down um, kind mm -hmm. of thing. Cause I remember at ACBIM, probably one of the 
not the first or second one, but you know, some of the early AC Bams I went to, there was one year where everyone was talking about the GI biome. Like that was like the big thing mm-hmm. that year. And they were talking about all the, the benefits of having a healthy GI biome, GI biome. And, and I think because of that, I think a lot of the, like, cause after like a couple years after that, all of a sudden we started seeing like this biome and proviable and like all these, yeah you know, other options as far as like, you know, having healthy probiotics, um, besides just Fortiflora, which Fortiflora is great, but if you have a pet with like, um, food sensitivities, they can't always have it. So, mm-hmm. you know, there, there are options out there for, you know, the different patients, which there weren't before. Yeah. Um, and so people were using like human probiotics, yogurt. which yeah, yogurt or human probiotics, which is not the same. It's not the same biome for dogs and cats. So I think that definitely is something that, um, it's definitely growing in this field, I think. So yeah. I think that's why yeah. when I research some of these diseases, like just discussing probiotic use is not, it's not prevalent it's not very in- often. Yeah, yeah. It's not very yeah. often that I come across it. Yeah. So, um, client communication though, for some of these patients is pretty big, just because the one big side effect of our pancreatic enzyme supplementation can be oral bleeding. So along the gum line, there can be some oral bleeding. Um, and I know this because of, well, I'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but oral bleeding, it can be stopped if you reduce the dose of the pancreatic enzyme. So that is some of those cases where you might want to do a dose reduction of that just to see how well the, the dog can be managed as well as getting rid of that oral bleeding. Maybe um, that's but- why we do capsules and stuff. Because I would imagine it's because the enzymes are activated. Yes. And they're in the, in the mouth, which is not where you want it to be activated. You want it to be activated in the guts. (laughs) Yeah. But moistening the food and mixing the pancreatic powder, like within it can decrease the frequency of those adverse effects. So not just like sprinkling it on top, like mixing it in with the food. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then one thing to let clients know though, too, like Yvonne already asked me is these dogs and cats will not be cured, but with therapy, they do have the ability to really live long, like normal, healthy lives, just mm-hmm. as long as they continue therapy, because once therapy is stopped, then there's just more destruction to the pancreas. It's mm-hmm. just going to continue. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But it's crazy. Cause this is one of those diseases that's managed with supplements and not like medications. So it's like just a simple supplement is like preventing the pancreas from just really destroying itself versus like, you know, how, and I don't know if you know the answer to this, how does it stop the destruction? So it, what's happening is like, so what's causing the destruction is the fact that those enzymes are just kind of circulating within the pancreas, right? Right. Unless you have the, those atrophy dogs, but then the more healthy that you're making, yeah. Like the more healthy that you're making the pancreas and the guts by supplementing with those pancreatic enzymes that are able to, I wonder if part of it too is, um, because I'm sure it's a feedback loop, you know what I mean? Like, so I wonder if the fact that the pancreas doesn't have to produce as much because 
it's not getting that feedback loop of increased needing to digest and secretions and all that stuff. So it says, Oh, I don't need to produce as much. So I wonder if that helps preserve it because it doesn't have to produce as much. You know what I mean? I wonder if that's part of it. Yeah. I bet you it is part of that thing where it, yeah, it doesn't need to produce. It's not stimulated and, and like overproducing or trying to overproduce with nothing really coming out well not to mention too you're also like you're helping the quality of life so a lot Mm -hmm. of these patients would be euthanized if they're just chronically losing weight and oh yeah massive diarrhea all over the place so if you can stop that just by supplementing basically with pancreatic enzymes with that because i've seen clients where they're super frustrated because nobody's been able to figure out what's going on with their dog and then you're like it's EPI and you start supplementing and it's, it's, it's like instant. They can see instantly the stool quality is better. Their animals have more energy. All of a sudden they're eating a little bit less because they actually are getting nutrients from the food that's going into their body instead of feeling like it's just passing through and I'm still starving. Well, Um, yeah. And And you got to cool to see that. You got to think though, too, that you're not necessarily stopping the destruction of the pancreas with these enzymes. So the pancreas could still be losing its function, Mm -hmm. but you're replacing that function anyway, orally. Right. So it's like these dogs aren't showing symptoms. So how are you really going to know that the pancreas is not functioning anymore unless you stop the medications. Right. Mm -hmm. So the, what the one thing that could potentially happen if they, if they're doing supplementation, but then their pancreas is still damaging itself as they might develop diabetes. So then they're just mm. concurrently giving pancreas I'm with insulin, but like they can mm. still live a normal life that way too. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, I mean, like you're, we're not necessarily stopping the destruction. We're just easing. I, I imagine it I probably slows ho- down the destruction I was just a little. It's probably slowing it down a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, I, I thought that was interesting. That's um, cool. I like how when we, discuss these diseases and we're like educating people on it you and I will just end up going on this like how does it <laughs> how is it like, really how working? does this work I I'm a big yeah. fan of understanding the hows and the whys I get it me too I'm like I just it's the difference between knowing and understanding versus just yeah. like having the information in your head and regurgitating it yeah. 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 I like working. Sometimes through it. I want to regurgitate information, but most of the times I want to understand why you're my favorite person to work through diseases with. <laughs> Cause I come up with really random things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, a caution that I put on here was mostly for our IM patients or general practice or like wherever you are. Um, medication history is key, especially when dealing with a patient with possible bleeding tendencies because we have had patients referred to us for bleeding and it's mm. usually like gum bleeding. And then like, we'll obtain a history and we'll be like, oh, they're on a pancreatic enzyme. It's so crazy. Cause I don't think I've ever seen this. Oh, we, we definitely have. Huh. And then we just do like what I suggested where we tell them to mix it in the food and not just like dump it on top. There's been a few patients where like we couldn't really do a dose reduction because they would break out with diarrhea again and we did have to switch to like a capsule, Mm. but we would have them purchase the powder and then the gel capsules and kind of fill it themselves. But it's a bummer because they had to fill like so many usually. Um, But yeah, it's just, I've, I've definitely seen it. Hmm. Crazy. 
Yeah. I've never seen it. I'm going to, I'm going to ask my, uh, my doc at work and be like, we had one not too long ago. She'll be like, oh yeah. And I'll be like, oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we had one, we had a case not too long ago. He, this dog wasn't actually on pancreatic enzymes, but it was one of those things where my doctor was like, make sure they're not on any pancreatic enzymes because the dog came in for vomiting blood Mm. and, um, and drooling blood. So it was one of those things that we really wanted to just make sure that it wasn't on anything like that. Huh. Interesting. Cause also too, you got to think like if some people are feeding raw diet too, like I imagine that they're obtaining pancreas as well. Right. I wonder if that does the same though. It probably doesn't do the I same. I don't think they're getting pancreas, dude. I don't know. I've never they're not, come across- They're not feeding like the entire animal. They're just like, here's some like arm meat. I bet you there's definitely some like. No, okay. There are some people that are like, here's some heart. Here's some liver. Yeah. I don't know about pancreas though. That's interesting. That's what I mean. Like, what if they are? <laughs> they, they might be. They might honestly, like technically they should be eating the whole thing, including what's inside the guts because inside the guts is where the grains are because in the wild, they would be eating grains. Just saying. It's the tip of the week. Uh, tip of the week. I'm going to go with Jordan's uh, idea of the whole bleeding gum thing. Cause I never even knew about that. So I guess it <laughs> tip of the week should be one, make sure you talk to your clients about the potential of that yeah, and um, making sure that they're mixing the pancreas enzymes into the food appropriately. Um, and just kind of keep it in the back of your mind that <clears throat> if they mention <laughs> some gum bleeding, this could be why. Yeah. Yeah. And now for the question of the week. Have you ever done that x-ray test with poop um, (laughs) to determine if a patient has EPI? You know, we're going to do, we're, (laughs) we're also going to figure out what year these people grew up in. I'm going to figure it out. We already (laughs) said what year we were born. So, (laughs) um, yeah. So let us know if you've ever done the, um, I guess, TLI fecal film test. I'm um, interested to see if anybody has. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine if you are in an area where one, <laughs> you still have radiology film and for sure. two, you don't have access to like Texas A&M for the GI lab. You know, I, I can imagine this would be one of those like quick and dirty tests that you yeah. can do. Well, that and like, think of like, I used to work with a, like several like old school vets who would likely, I just wonder, like, I want to know exactly like what it looks like. <laughs> like, I've seen it, but it's so long ago that I was, I, and I remember being like, that is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Um, well, cause I, yeah. I saw on there on like, when you looked it up that you have to like you can dilute it some and then like i don't know i'm just i'm curious like poop water <laughs> yeah poop water on an x-ray film yeah yeah mm, so glad i don't have x-ray film anymore can we just have that conversation it would just be a fun <laughs> science project though oh well, yeah like, i have five dogs in my house let me just take all of their poop and see if any of them have epi oh my god i don't think any of them do probably not you'd probably notice Maybe. I mean, I would unless hope so. they're, unless they're like a subclinical dun, dun, dun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, All right. Guys. Anyway, 
we uh hope you learned something this week i know i did um and then let us know if you've done the radiology film fecal tli test (laughs) and then uh next week we'll be doing some gi basics which is funny because it's kind of backwards but that's it is backwards this is both (laughs) i mean like we did a lot of our gi stuff before we got into a good rhythm of like of doing a series yeah yeah sure we started with some gi stuff because i was like there's no such thing as regular vomiting yeah, you were very passionate about that. I'm still very passionate about that. <laughs> Hairballs are not a thing, dang it. Anything else that we need to touch on cover this week? Nope. I think that's Happy it. Super Bowl. We're recording this on Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, that's right. I gotta go uh, get ready for some nachos or something. I don't remember. Yeah. I, I didn't even know Super Bowl Sunday until... Did you mention it to me yesterday when we were trying to set up a time to record? I, I think like, I did. I was like, oh, yeah. my friends want me to come to their backyard. It's going to be fun. We're going to be in the backyard watching it because like it's six feet apart and nice. Um, yeah. Well, some of us are already vaccinated. So there's. Oh, right. right, right. Yeah. Ooh, so lucky. we have that benefit. <laughs> um, And there's it's going to be four of us. So it's not like it's crazy. Party. Yeah. There's four of us. Um, But we'll be outside and then we'll just you know, have nachos or something. And because we yeah. haven't seen each other in over a month and it's not okay. I don't yeah. like it. I asked my dad yesterday, cause he came with me to Bailey's gymnastics meet. And, um, I was like, so I realized that the Super Bowl is tomorrow. He's like, yeah. Um, he's like, I guess maybe we should do dinner together. And I was like, I mean, sure. Uh, <laughs> I was like, who's even playing in the Super Bowl? Like, I don't have a clue, nor do I care. We're strictly going to my oh, parents' yeah. house to play cards. Like, I have no idea. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm going for the nachos and for the commercials. Right, commercials. I didn't. Yeah. I forgot about that too. See, I don't have a clue. Yeah. I uh, and and honestly, like, I don't remember the last time I watched a football game or, uh, well, a Super Bowl game. Um. I don't think I watched last year. I don't even remember why. Well, partially because it's COVID. (laughs) Oh yeah. COVID last year. No, no, no. Because COVID didn't happen for like another, like two weeks from now, because we had Bailey's first gymnastics like overbound, like president's day weekend. So that's next week. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I probably was working or something. Or doing something I mean, probably. Fun. I, I was probably I literally... out of the house for Super Bowl, and I was like, "Yeah, what am right? I doing? I'm gonna be around five thousand people and not care." That was probably what I did last Super Bowl. I don't know, shopping. Yeah, right. <laughs> good times. Good times. <sighs> I can't wait. All to right, get back everybody. To that. All right. right. Another Have year a- or so. I know, right? Have a wonderful week. If you can get vaccinated and you feel like it, get vaccinated so you can hang out with your friends. Um, And let's see what else. We'll talk about some GI next week, which is hilarious, but we'll get back to some basics. And uh, yeah, let us know if you've ever done the film test. (laughs) I'm very curious. All right, guys, we will talk to you guys later. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast. 
and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.